0: little bit of Spain there in the music. That was the Gypsy Kings with Bumbalero. Our Middle America correspondent Kristen Henning is an Iberophile. She loves everything Spanish and on another of her many visits to Madrid she decided to do some in-depth research on the food of Madrid as she explains.
1: Hi and thanks Graham. You, You know that we love Spain so much and have spent so much time there uh, including oh at least two years in Madrid specifically altogether. I happen to think Madrid is one of the most underrated cities of Europe, partly because of its museums, but mostly because of its incredible food representing all of Spain and much of the world, just right here in this one city. What we like to do, Tom and I, is to take uh, the walking food tours because they inevitably lead to learning about the history of the area and the neighborhoods and the small local family businesses. But we know, like all great cities, it's constantly changing in Madrid and that there are many other great foodie neighborhoods and new food trends to track other than the ones that we learned of decades ago. So today we're hearing from a food expert, Margaret Sperling, And uh, Margaret and her business partner, Amy Bingham, are founders of Walk and Eat Spain, which is a fabulous company that's offering small group walking and tasting tours in Madrid. It's totally focused on Madrid, where Margaret and Amy live, and it's the city they know the best, and that's where they continue to focus their business, which is wonderful. I think you could say Madrid, as much as anywhere, understands that tapas aren't simply a, a type of food, but a style of eating. So we were so excited to talk to Margaret. We asked her first to tell us about some of the shifts in neighborhoods as it relates to Madrid's changing food scene.
0: So, Madrid is a wonderful city, and I totally agree that it has been really kind of Barcelona's younger sister for a long time, but Madrid is really coming into its own. We're getting incredible numbers of visitors this year, and, you know, Madrid is also a city that's just this constant evolution of meeting the needs of these of the people who live here. You know, Huge waves of folks from Spain and then from around the world have come to Madrid. It is the biggest city in Spain. It's like the third largest city in Europe, but it's a city that's neighborhoods. Madrid is neighborhoods. Madrid is all of these different wonderful spaces. And depending on where you are in the city, exactly as you said, there are just amazing culinary offerings. So where we do our tours in Malasana, which is a neighborhood that since the kind of early 1800s when something new was gonna hit the city, it hit there first, Um, but, particularly since the 1970s um, after Franco, the dictator died in 1975, Malasaña has marked trends. When something happens in the city, you know, the Movida Madrileña, the Madrid movement that kind of shook Spain culturally in the 20th century happened in Malasaña and that continues to be the case like anything from you know cookies to tacos where it's going to hit first is going to hit malasaña but that's what's really special because malasaña and the rest of madrid is this constant push and pull between the old and the new and so in a neighborhood like malasaña you get you know, 100-year-old taverns across the street from brand-new dim-sum shops run by young Spaniards who want to try dumplings. Mm -hmm. And across the street you go and you're tasting the chef's grandmother's meatball recipe. So you're just, you have all this old and the new. So Malasaña is kind of the cutting edge. You have everything, as I said, from these old taverns where you go in, you get your vermouth and your patatas bravas, those, you know, fiery potatoes, or great Spanish omelette, the tortilla, and all the classic tapas, but then you get, you know, all of the amazing international flavors that truly the biggest shift in eating in Madrid and eating throughout Spain in the last five, 10 years has been just the explosion of international cuisine. And a tremendous appetite on the part of both folks from Spain and people coming to visit to taste the flavors of the world. And so neighborhoods like Malasaña have super traditional bars and restaurants and all kinds of modern stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then there's just so many great neighborhoods. One of the like really important foodie neighborhoods in the city is um, around Calle Ponzano, on um, Ponzano Street in Chambiri, which is this wonderful neighborhood. And the kind of streets as the hub of where these neighborhoods have all of their foods. You know, when I say streets, I mean, you know, three to five blocks of the same street that just every storefront is a bar or restaurant. And so all through the city, you have these places. Um, And so in Chambéry, the street is called Pontano. And just every, every storefront is a restaurant that you have super traditional places serving the tinned fish, you know, like getting all of the different mussels or tuna or um, the beautiful pickled anchovies from one place. And then you go next door and there's you know, a modern restaurant that's serving, you know, deconstructed tapas, foie with, you know, flambéed uh, pork belt, whatever it is, is it right? all right in the same place. And so because Madrid is a tapas city, all of it is tapas hopping. So you want to go to these streets. So um, Chambéry, then, of course, La Latina, the most important uh, street is Baja where you have about four blocks of just bars. And so you do your, what's called in Spanish, the Ronda, or the tapas hop where you go from place to place because like Madrid just lends itself to the idea that, you know, tapas are food with people. So what you want is to have food with people and drinks. And so to have as many of those opportunities as possible, you got to go to a bunch of bars. So that's the way the city is laid out that you have these areas that have streets that are all bars and you just go from bar to
1: bar. Just back to the food itself for a moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. I do, I I think this is a a wonderful thing. Maybe it's because the world is traveling more that international cuisine is Mm -hmm. um, more readily available. Do you find any particular, can you give an example of any particular dishes that really put a Spanish twist on an international dish? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I have to start with something like tataki
0: de atún. Or a tuna tataki dish. Um, one of the things that's so special about Madrid is that even though we are very far from the sea, we have some of the best seafood in the world. Probably mm-hmm. the second largest fish auction outside of Tokyo is here in Madrid. We get all of the seafood from the the Mediterranean, the Cantabrian, the Atlantic coast. Yeah, literally, you know, airlifted into Madrid and then distributed to the restaurants. And so we have such incredible seafood and. People have really taken this amazing seafood and added Japanese influences. You know, it's very common now to go into a really classic tapas bar and have chunks of seared tuna with a soy glaze or a tuna tartare, taking the idea of this incredible, you know, Mediterranean tuna is, you know, since the Romans has been a very, very prized uh, dish and adding some modern flavors, adding some soy sauce adding some wasabi, adding, um, you know, the ceviche. We've had so much migration from South America in the last 20 years. And one of the most special parts is folks from Peru um, have brought their, and, and Ecuador, I don't want to not mention Ecuador when we talk about um, ceviche because they get very nervous about that. But, you know, <laughs> folks from Peru, folks from Ecuador coming to coming right. to Spain and bringing those flavors. And so since we have such incredible seafood, um, adding in, Achi chili from Peru into a ceviche, or you know, taking different flavors from South American cuisine and using the the incredible ingredients we have here in Madrid and creating really special combinations of flavors. Because you know, the origin of Spanish food is. The people who came through the Iberian Peninsula and where folks from the Iberian Peninsula went. You know, you cannot talk about Spanish food without talking about the influence of the Moors, the Muslims who came mm-hmm. through Spain. You know, Spain was under Muslim much of Spain was under Muslim control for over seven hundred years, and so the rice, the saffron, the almonds, uh, the eggplant. All of those things that came from the Muslim world influenced Spanish cuisine. And then where the, you know, Spain, the conquistadors didn't just take the gold and silver out of South America. They brought tomatoes, peppers, corn, beans, squash, chocolate. Chocolate, yes, exactly. You know, tomatoes, the first port of call in Europe was. Spain. I mean, imagine Spain, mm-hmm. imagine European cuisine without potatoes and tomatoes, not to mention <laughs> corn, chocolate and beef, right? Yeah. But just without tomatoes and potatoes. And it's it's impossible now. And all of that came through Spain. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we think we invented globalization, but we didn't. And so <laughs> the food of Spain has always been incorporating what people have brought to the Iberian Peninsula, because we have this incredible growing climate.
1: And so we can grow anything here. Those and, are you know, great examples. I, I really... Uh, love those examples of the, the international influence and the Spanish influence on the international. Um, let's jump just real quickly to wine. Are you finding um, that Madrid is serving, delivering, tasting wine in, in different ways? Or is it is that sort of the constant background? You know, there's so much innovation in
0: wine in Spain right now. I think the the thing to always remember about drinking wine in Spain, not necessarily Spanish wine, but drinking wine in Spain, is that the truth is that um, even though we produce a ton of wine, Spain is a beer country. Spanish people drink um, at least three times as much beer as wine per person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is a beer country. But... Spanish wines are really coming into their own, and one of the most important trends now is thinking about regional Spanish wines, thinking about different kinds of grapes. Traditionally, when you would go into a bar, you would just order a white or a red, like mm-hmm. not even a region. You would just say like, un vino blanco, a white wine, please. Yep. And so there is still very much that sense. You know, we, we, we produce tons of spectacular wines, And in most bars in Madrid, you go in and there's a wine from Rioja, a wine from Rivera, another big red wine producer, and a white wine from Rueda, um, and a white wine from the Rias Baixas with the Albarino grape. And that's only four regions of incredible regions from north to south. And so what you are really seeing is more attention to different grapes, um, more attention to up and coming regions. You know, like everywhere natural wine is becoming more and more popular. And here in Madrid specifically, you know, we actually, even though we think of Madrid as being this giant city, the Comunidad de Madrid, the area around Madrid, the state where Madrid is in, is um, very agricultural. And so we have just to the north of the city in an area that's called um, San Martín de Valdeiglesias, a uh, hundred year old vineyards, like the hundred year old vines. Um, producing incredible wines and then up and coming, you know, young winemakers making natural wines, innovating, trying to bring back uh, grape varieties that their grandparents and great grandparents had abandoned because other varieties were more commercial. Mm-hmm. And, and so there is really interesting things going on in Madrid and Spain in general. That and particularly from folks yeah. in the Comunidad de Madrid, near the city, growing amazing grapes and making really interesting
1: wines. Uh, to your initial point, I can attest to the fact that Spanish beers are really, really good.
0: It's hot in Spain. And so people, if you're going to sit around, you know, and I think the other thing to remember when we're talking about tapas is that tapas are not small plates necessarily. Tapas are a style of eating where you have food with people and drinks. They can be small plates. They can be the larger of a sharing plates. But the important thing is what you're doing is you're sharing food with people and drinks because socializing in Spain is around a table. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to have something if you're sitting at the table. And if you're going to sit there for a long time, you know, you can't drink bottles and bottles of wine. And so people have the cañas, yes, the little draft beers that are super cold and, you know, are a great way to spend an afternoon, you know, a great way to spend an afternoon, you know, like drinking cañas yes, and having tapas is a lifestyle in space.
1: For those people who don't know, it's just, a, it's a smaller serving. It's about, what, what would you say, six or eight ounces it's just the right amount. It is. <laughs> when you want because what it is is socializing.
0: <laughs> exactly. The thing about it is that you want to be in a place and you want to be there with people
1: and you want to be doing something. And so to do that, a pint is too much. A pint is so, too much. So there you go. Well, thank you so much, Margaret. This is a wonderful overview and refresher and reminder that Madrid is such a lively new city embracing international people and international foods and still delivering this fabulous tradition of food and, the, as you say, the style of eating food with people. That's what we love about Spain. Thank you for your time.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Kristen. This was wonderful. Our reporter, Kristen Henning there, was speaking with Margaret Sperling of Walk and Eat Spain. More information, all the W's, walkandeatspain.com.
1: this is the travel rider show